1: What does motion sound like? With Kizzik Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizzik.com socks.
0: started and right away in the chat we have someone just laying it out there the way that they feel. Tell us how you feel G-Man. Harris is a bum. Welcome to the PHLY Sixers podcast on a Monday as we start this week off as we discuss it a little bit more of Tobias Harris alongside Derek Bodner. I'm Devon Givens. Kyle Newbeck has the day off. Brianna is here producing and we have to again get into the Tobias Harris topic because as much as we want to get away from it if if he played well, we wouldn't be talking about it in this manner. Then uh, you know we wouldn't have to do this all over again. But we have to do it again. We'll talk about Tobias Harris. We have a mail, few mailbag questions that we have to get to. We'll have to tell you about so many other things that we have going on here over the course of the next sixty minutes or so as we discuss your basketball team that is right now just a half a game up on the Indiana Pacers for the six seed right now. Six seed, folks. I didn't expect to be here. You didn't expect it either. Derek didn't, but here we are, and uh, they have to figure some things out pretty quickly because they're going in the wrong direction, and they're going in that direction pretty fast right now. Derek, we got some stuff to talk about, man. Do we expect to be here again talking about Tobias Harris, or is this just a trend? Two and a half weeks of good, two and a half weeks of bad, two and a half weeks of good again. We're back at two and a half weeks of bad, and will, will, will this be corrected?
1: Yeah, no, I certainly expect to be talking about Tobias Harris again because he's always been a frustrating player. Mm-hmm. There's always been peaks and valleys. Right from the jump, you know, I didn't like the contract, didn't like the trade, thought they gave up too much in both instances. But this is as bad as it's ever been. Like the last six games, we were talking about it before the show. He was shooting or he's scoring 12.4 points per game on like 35% shooting over the last six games, exactly when you need him to step up. Coming into this stretch, we had. I had spoken like, hey, at least if there's one benefit to Embiid being out, it's not a benefit, but at the very least, Tobias Harris historically has played better without Joel Embiid because they tend to occupy some of the same floor spots. Maybe some of the slow decision making doesn't annoy you as much because you just need someone to go get you a bucket. The fact that he has pretty much opted out of offense and any kind of real attacking during this stretch is not something I necessarily foresaw. It's certainly within the realm of possibilities because he is a player who seems like he's so in his head and when he's going well, he can roll. When he's not, he can overthink it. And I think so, yeah, it's a possibility. I think we always thought it was a possibility, but this is as bad as it's ever been.
0: Yeah, this is really bad because as Derek talked about, we started looking at some, we saw some of the numbers we were looking at, Derek talked about, actually Derek talked about a few numbers the other day when we were doing this uh, during one of the post-game shows where we were talking about what numbers he has had uh, overall. And then we looked at them again. And then I listened to some of what Nick Nurse had to say post-game yesterday where he talked about it himself. The question was posed to him about how to get things going. Kyle talked about it yesterday afternoon following the Milwaukee Bucks loss. Where Nick Nurse mentioned, we have to find a way to get going. He has this many things that he can do. He has so many things that he can do to help this basketball team. They have to find a way to do it. Well, we are already 50-plus games into the season. And yes, most players play at their best when Joel Embiid is out there on the floor. But the one thing about Tobias Harris when we speak about him is about getting him going specifically with Embiid, but when he feels like he should be getting more touches, more opportunities, feeling like he has to get those touches to really get into a really good rhythm because he's a volume guy, well, now's the time to do that when Joel Embiid is not out there on the floor. And when we've talked about the last 10, 11 games where he has played and only averaged 13 points as a guy who we know can score 20 points in this league, on a pretty good, efficient scoring day or night, whatever it is, whenever he takes the floor, this is bad. And we've we've had the games from the other night, Tuesday, I mean Thursday night, Friday night, where Derek nor Kyle have wanted to come on here and say anything in terms of going off because of the fact that they're defeated at this point. There's not much you can really yell about when it comes to <laughs> when it comes to Tobias Harris. You don't feel like yelling anymore because it's 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 draining after five seasons to still have these types of conversations, after all of these seasons in the Sixers uniform where you've seen some really good play, you've seen some bad play. It's been so up and down with what things have been with him. And now we are at this spot yet again. And Joel Embiid is going to be out for the foreseeable future. Yes, we think he's going to come back. But right now, when you're looking at Tyrese Maxey, who is going to be your clear number one, it's going to be between now for your number two, Tobias Harris or Buddy Hill. But who you who have you have who have you seen in that role more consistently in the past? Tobias Harris. Forget about the contract and the numbers that he's going to make. That's doing nothing for you out there on the floor. It's the it's the fact of knowing that you've seen it from him before in a number two role. Even when Ben Simmons was here, where Ben Simmons was still the rebounder and the assist maker that he was, Tobias Harris was the guy who had the better scoring average out there on the floor. You've seen it from him it's in him and that's why you get so frustrated and for him to be doing this right now knowing that Joel Embiid is not going to be there and you're not relying on Buddy Hill to do it even though he does have the capability of doing so it's all the more frustrating right now with Tobias Harris with the type of play that he is putting out there on the floor every single game and it's simply not good enough for him to be averaging 12 points and shooting right around, what, 13 attempts a game, 13, 14 attempts a game, that's more than enough to get into a rhythm to maybe have more shooting opportunities and to put more points on the board, grabbing rebounds, as Nick Nurse even talked about, and turning and going to get out there and try to get some quick opportunities. Nick Nurse also mentioned hitting the glass to get those second chance opportunities off the offensive glass to get the ball in the rim, get some points on the board, get going, and maybe that would just ignite him. Inject him with something to get that offensive production going on the other end where it's not a problem for Tobias Harris at this point. But right now, to see him playing this, where we have people coming into the chat after game saying, I'm sick of it. He needs to come off the bench. Why are his minutes not going to someone else because he is not performing at the level of which he needs to? That's where we have been. So when Derek says at the top, this is the lowest of the low with Tobias Harris. This has gotten to the point where it has become really really glaring and once again having us discuss it all over again when we don't want to.
1: Yeah. And I think where a lot of people will go, you know, back when he was in his quote-unquote heyday with Doc and the Clippers, he was getting a uh, like pick and rolls were about 25%, 26% actually of his possessions. Nowadays that is about 10% of his possessions. And he was a pretty effective pick and roll scorer. The problem with that Two things. First of all, it was based on a lot of shooting luck and that he hasn't been able to replicate ever since, but also that he has complete blinders on. Like when he is running a pick and roll, it is about him scoring and he really doesn't have the kind of creativity or the vision to see what else is going around him. And I don't even say that as like suggesting that he is in any way kind of, um, you know, hunting his shots or selfish. He just doesn't, like you can really see the processing speed in those pick and rolls. So it's never about creating an advantage for his teammates. So you don't really want to run pick and rolls. Like you ran it when he was with the Clippers because they were so undermanned and they were trying to get the most out of him. You haven't been running it now. Well now with Joel Embiid out, do you change that? It's kind of hard to change that mid season, but also he's just not like you have so many role players around him. You need to be able to create quality looks for him running pick and roll Tobias isn't necessarily the best, but maybe you run a few more just to kind of get him feeling good about himself. Sure. But he's, just never been a good pick-and-roll playmaker, so it's hard for me to really push too much. And also, if a guy is just not being assertive, putting him in spots where you're requiring him to be assertive and be successful, I get that maybe that might get him back into a good rhythm or a flow, as he likes to say, but if it doesn't, you're just literally dribbling seconds off of the shot clock, and way too much lately, that's been what it's been. I brought up those numbers where he is... Um, you know, 10% of his possessions pick and roll this year. Mm -hmm. Part of the problem is that, yeah, in those possessions, he is shooting 38% on them uh, with a points per possession that ranks in the 29th percentile. 29th percentile is real low. That 0.764 points per possession is basically what it comes down to. That needs to be up in the 1.0 range to really justify possessions. So you're banking on him getting back to a level of efficiency he hasn't been able to do all year. So it's tough for me to really cry that he's not getting enough pick-and-roll possessions.
0: Well, okay. Well, guess what? He thinks he's a good one-on-one player. He needs to do something there, too. Uh, The ball swings to him. He doesn't do much with it. We've talked about where the ball just kind of stalls with him. So many people talk about when Embiid gets the ball at the top of the key or wherever he gets the basketball, that the offense stalls. And and that's what we've seen now with Tobias Harris. The difference is he's not Joel Embiid, and he has to get going. The one thing, as you talked about when he came from – LA and Doc Rivers got here. He spoke about one thing that worked out really well with Tobias Harris and Doc Rivers together in Los Angeles was he wasn't thinking. He just went out there and did quick catch and go type of situations. And it wasn't always about pick and roll. It was just about being decisive of what he wanted to do and putting the defense on their heels. And that's not what he's doing right now. He is playing with the basketball far too much. And then when he gets himself in a precarious spot, he has to pick up the ball after taking six, seven shots a clock seconds off the shot clock and then finding a teammate and oftentimes in another tough spot because you're looking at your number two scorer, most likely there, trying to do something, taking some time off the clock. And now you're giving it to a player where they have less time to try to generate something in a one-on-one situation where that's not necessarily what it called for. He has to, again, we go all the way back to it from when he was with the Clippers, first here with Philadelphia, being decisive going fast, getting something going where he is doing something that's a plus, a positive for not only himself, but also for his teammates where they are not struggling in the half-court set. It's one thing to get the ball off of the rim and start to move in transition to try to get some easy opportunities. You're going to get those chances because you're going to get rebounds, but the defense is going to stop you sometimes, and you're not always going to be the one to get those points in transition. So in the half-court set, you have to, have to, have to, be smart about your play out there and what you're doing. And far too often now, we see him going to the rim. He's shooting off balance. He's, he's asking for lobs when he should be catching the basketball When Tobias Harris. I mean, when Tyrese Maxey, giving him a good bounce pass right there in front of the rim. And instead of patting himself on the chest, like I saw Bobby Porters do twice yesterday after he made two bad plays in the second half, he's talking about he needed a lob. Well, the lob wasn't there. The opportunity, the passing lane wasn't there for Tyrese Maxey to throw a lob. Instead, he made a really good bounce pass. Be prepared for it all, right? And he wasn't. So these are just some of the things. And then the back-to-back turnovers there in that situation. Yesterday, folks, he was, what, three for nine for his eight points out there on the floor in 30-plus minutes. And again, while well, he rebounded the basketball at eight, and we gave him credit for the nine that he had against the Cleveland Cavaliers on Friday with the 15 points, and we talked about his up-and-down play. Well, we gave him credit for the nine rebounds. We gave him credit for the eight rebounds against Milwaukee. But what they needed yesterday was points, They needed points to beat that Milwaukee team with that rebounding, and he just simply didn't do it. So right now, I don't know what kind of funk and what kind of clouding of a judgment of deciding how he wants to go about his business on the offensive end. This is no longer about complaining that he doesn't get the basketball and the offense is not flowing towards him, because it is. He's giving the basketball up again. It's kind of like the P.J. Tucker part, where P.J. Tucker is a totally different player, but part of the complaints about P.J. Tucker when he was here was he's not getting an opportunity within the offense. Tobias Harris is doing the same thing right now, not saying it openly or in the past it has been where he has spoken about not getting enough chances in a Joel Embiid, James Harden led offense. Well, right now it's a Tyrese Maxey, Tobias Harris led offense. Maxey's getting his and Maxey was a leader yesterday where he spoke about after the game a question was posed to him about getting Tobias Harris going while he and DeAnthony Melton were sitting there at the, at the uh, table, and he said, I have to do a better job of getting Tobias Harris going. That's great to hear that from your young point guard, the maturity that we talk about. Well, guess what? You need that maturity also on the floor from the player that we're talking about who's a 9-, 10-year vet yeah. who's seen everything in the league, and right now he's not coming through. He's letting his teammates down.
1: Yeah, and I see, like, so many... Coaches in the past, media members and analysts, fans always bring up, well, when he's making quick decisions, he plays better. So how can you just get him to make quick decisions? And I've always pushed back on that because he makes good decisions or quick decisions when he's playing well. The cause and effect is, I think, thrown off a lot. It's not like, well, if we can just tell him to make quick decisions, he will play good basketball. I, much more When he's making or playing good basketball, he will make good decisions because he's feeling good about himself, he's feeling decisive, and that leads to more good basketball. But it's always like, when does the next slump hit and how does he react to it? And this is as detached as we've ever seen Tobias Harris seemingly from the flow of a basketball game. And I just don't know, like there's, like I said, sort of like the way we preface the show is how can Nick Nurse scheme to get him back into a flow? I really only blame one person for that. And that's And that's Tobias Harris himself.
0: Yeah, yep. Absolutely. So, look, we, we'll keep that going. We'll read some of your, your, your messages here that you have, and we'll talk about that because there's so much here with him about how he's playing, how he's not doing enough to help his basketball team out right now. The quick decisions, it would be great, but as Derek said, you really only blame one person. It's him. It's him. The opportunities are there. Do something with it. When we come back, we'll talk about more with him and Buddy Hill. He'll, he needs to get going. Some mailbag questions, but first... Mm-hmm. First, we want to make sure we tell you about Coors Light. Why not?
1: From your day-to-day annoyances to the big stuff, like maybe a $40 million man who doesn't play like it, it's Mm -hmm. very easy to get worked up and caught up in day-to-day life. But there's a better way and a chiller way to handle that. And you can choose chill by reaching for an ice-cold Coors Light. I mentioned the other day, but it's starting to get real nice out there. It should be in the 60s tomorrow. Uh, That is fantastic. And what better way to celebrate than to sit on the back porch with a cold Coors Light to wash away some of the day to day stress that we all experience, or the stress from watching your local sports team. Or just
0: Tobias Harris. Or just Tobias.
1: General. I was trying to beat around the bush a you little could. bit. That's what I was talking about. Everyone understood the <laughs> subtext there. We didn't need to spell it out. That's fine. And with Coors Light, you know it's cold when you reach for the can because the mountains turn blue when they're as cold as the Rockies. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged for a smoother finish. When it's time to chill, open a Coors Light. When you choose the rise above it all, choose chill. Choose Coors Light. Get Coors Light delivered straight to your door with Instacart by going to CoorsLight.com slash P-H-L-Y basketball. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado.
0: And I hope we're not at the point here where this basketball team is frustrating you so much where you're just simply looking towards the baseball season. But if many of you are, and we hope that you're not, because maybe things will turn around sooner rather than later. But when it is time for the baseball team to get out there on the field, put on those new uniforms that everyone is talking about, well... I have the place for you to go, and that's from our friends at Game Time. Buying tickets to your favorite events, it shouldn't be stressful at all. And when you're with Game Time, it's not stressful because it's a fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun that you'll have. So if you're stressing like Tobias Harris is out there on the floor, maybe Tobias Harris needs to go see a theater show. Maybe he just goes and needs to just calm down, relax get back into a good place and get back out there on the floor for the very next night for that game, you might go off for 20 plus and help lead his team to a win. If you're like him and you want to look for some tickets and you go to game time, you get flash deals and last or last minute tickets. You are a, 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 an opportunity to look at the images of the seat that you may be in. Easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area. Lowest price guarantee event cancellation protection, job loss protection as well. I was just having a conversation with my daughters because... Guess who's in town soon? Not in here in town in Philadelphia, but close enough, three hours away. That's Drake (laughs) at Penn State, where he's going to put on a show next month. And they were like, Dad, we want to go. How do we find tickets? And I said, you know what, girls? Come look at this app on my phone. Game time. Whoa, you can install images, Images of the seat views. Yes, you can go on the app. That app is already downloaded. You go on the app and look it up. And I said, this is where you would be sitting if you want to go there because their best friend is already going to be there. She has her tickets. Well, they can look at now the seats of where they would be near their friend because of game time. You can get the images of the seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive buying tickets in a matter of seconds. It was just two taps and you're all set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you don't have to dig through your email right there on the phone. They make great holiday gifts as well. Like I might've been generous enough to get the tickets for the girls at that time. So snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account and use code PHLY for $20 off of your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed.
1: I got so excited. I almost blew up your ad spot. I apologize for that. But I didn't know that you were capable of downloading apps to your phone, Devon. Well, see, Because that's always your excuse for not joining
0: our Discord. I downloaded that app a while ago. So that's already taken up the storage. Now I have to download <laughs> a new app to try to take up more storage. And I'm just not having it. And what Jamie did, said, look, just go on the on the computer. What did you get? Like, like the limited
1: way? edition one gigabyte iPhone? Like download the freaking app, Devon. That's
0: what I did. <laughs> that's what I did, man. <laughs> but I did. I'm not ashamed to do it. So bring on all the noise in the chat, coward. along with Derek. Get and, on the uh, Discord, you coward. Hey, you know it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not afraid to shoot though. I will shoot. Give me the ball. Give me the pill. And let's <laughs> put some points on the board. All right, man. You want to get into some of the questions now? You want to do those a little bit later?
1: Yeah, I can't. Like, and I know there have been people who like sort of want us to go in on Tobias I'm still on the stage where like I'm I just have fatigue you saw how calm we were this can honestly be an off-season conversation when we're it's a complete retrospective like he might be gone in all I mean I think people in the chat would have a panic attack if you suggest he won't be but it is something where it's just like we talk about him every day every game and it's just you need more we all get it it's just maddening like I said, could you run a few more pick and rolls at the beginning of the game to try to get him going, maybe feel better about himself? Sure. Um, And to be honest, there's so many wasted possessions right now. Uh, looking directly at you, Kelly Oubre, but a little bit of Paul Reed. Tobias, he might have blinders. He might not create for others, but I'm okay if you're going to waste a couple possessions early just to see if you can get him going. Gotta get him going. But ultimately, the blame or the responsibility goes directly to him. He is the one with the skill set. He is the one making the decisions. He has to be more aggressive and more consistent. And it's just... Five years into it, we know that's not going to be the case. But like I said, it's it's one thing to acknowledge he's always been streaky. It's one thing to acknowledge he's always become indecisive in a slump. But this is certainly a new level. You can recognize that. But unfortunately, us sitting here, you guys in the chat, none of us can change it. It all comes down to
0: him. And that's the the sad part about it. It it has been five years. And, well, we're in the fifth year. And the contract is ending at the end of the season. But we've been in the fifth year, and we've been talking about this for five seasons. When Ben Simmons was here and he was at his best, we were still talking about it in a way that, hey, is J.J. Redick the third option on this basketball team? Yes, J.J. Redick was actually like the second option on this basketball team because of the dribble handoffs and how the offense flowed with Joel Embiid off of those two. And Tobias Harris, when J.J. Redick left and Jimmy Butler left and Ben Simmons was still doing different things to help out with the offense at that time or not help out with the offense, Tobias Harris was the number two, but we were still talking about it in that way. Here we are, five seasons later, still having the same discussion, and we're dis- discussing it in a way of, you know what? We're, I'm saying it as you say it. We're finally going to get off of that contract. Yeah. And look, and we, that's a shame yeah. to be having that type of conversation still.
1: And Alan in chat,
0: what up, Al? We love you. Great, great seeing you again the other night. Always. See but he's you you bringing up
1: basically that there are other players in the NBA who are overpaid. He says 70% of the NBA is overpaid. Why are we? Uh, focusing so much about it about well first of all Philadelphia he's one. he's he's our overpaid player yes. like sure there are other overpaid players but they're not crippling the team that i cover right also 40 million dollars has been an anchor on this team's flexibility for five years now and now at this point when you need him to step up the most you have the least confidence you've ever had even though he's 31 and should be in the prime of his career certainly should be in the prime of his decision-making career you can't rely him on there And even when Joel Embiid comes back, you can't rely on him to be a catch-and-shoot player. And yet, he's going to start. Like It's just going to happen. I looked it up before the show. He has started, and it might might be a little, my math's not perfect, but about 494 straight games he has started. Not once coming off the bench over that span. Mm -hmm. Nick Nurse benching him just isn't really realistic, so you've got to make do with him. So yeah, we're going to be frustrated every now and then. And on an off day, we might even focus a show around there. But that is why I solicited some questions on Twitter. That is why we are trying to do a mailbag here, because quite frankly, I just didn't want to do 45 minutes straight of, man, this guy's freaking infuriating. I just didn't want to do it. And
0: look, Al, quite honestly, as Derek said, it's Philadelphia, so we have to focus on him. Just because whatever happens in Washington or Golden State or Portland, we can watch and talk about that for a shorter amount of time on the show, which we will incorporate a little more around the NBA type of conversation. But when it comes to him... Yes, the money is there, but I've looked at it even as a year and a half ago saying, let's stop talking about the money because we already know what the money is. It's not going anywhere unless he gets traded. We even discussed it a little bit at this trade deadline where most were asking, would Tobias Harris be traded? And we said, all three of us, all four of us, Rich, same thing. No, he's not going to be traded. You just hope that you get the best of him to help this team where we looked at them and said they have a real possibility of doing what we've been waiting for the past seven playoff appearances, which is to get out of the se- uh, past six, to get out of that second round. And in order to do that, you most likely needed him to play at that higher level. And we're not asking for 20 on average overall, it's just more of the consistency with the efficiency from game to game, where if he's averaging 16, he's getting you that 16, like we saw in the earlier stages of his Philadelphia career. So when we talk about it, it's for that reason. I can't get on what Jeremy Grant or Clay Thompson or Jordan Poole even is not doing in those other cities because that's not this city. That's not what their expectations are. Theirs and this expectation is what we've seen from them, especially when you talk about however many starts he has had in the Sixer uniform during his tenure here in Philadelphia. And they needed it and they have not been getting it consistently enough. Al, we sat and watched it with you the other night where you were losing your damn mind. When the guy (laughs) was doing something. So, yeah, that's why we talk about it the way that we talk about it. And we have to. It's just the way of the world around the Sixers orbit because he's still in the uniform. And when he's gone, we'll discuss it about maybe one of the worst contracts in Sixer history because of what type of uh, what type of, uh, of imprint he has left on this organization after the five years in the uniform and getting that contract. Five and a half because he was traded here and he played half a season yeah. before he signed that five-year deal. But that's just what it is. And that's why we have to discuss it in the way that we do. And guess what? When he leaves, he's going to say some nice things about Philadelphia. And then you're also going to hear things in the back channels maybe that he felt like he did not get the opportunity that he was deserving of and maybe he wasted five years of his NBA career here in Philadelphia. So all of that stuff might be available once once we get there. But for right now, this is very disappointing. And, and it is something that, you know, five years later, I didn't expect this to, to, to be the conversation that we were having about this guy and with this team. Just quite honestly, I just did not expect that that. But the money, the money is what the money is. That's not going to change until it's off the books. It's not going to change. All right, yep. let's get to some of these questions, man.
1: All right. So we're going to start this off with a real uplifting one here from Ryan Lowry. Besides the bias, what are you most disappointed by since Embiid has been out? What has been the most encouraging?
0: The most encouraging, uh, honestly, for me, uh, despite these last two games with the Buddy Hill experience, I'm most encouraged by what he has done out there on the floor with the playmaking and his overall play. He has to now adjust to a few more teammates where De'Anthony Melton, Kyle Lowry is here. Tobias Harris is, quite frankly, in the lineup a little bit more from when De'Anthony Mel- uh, from when Buddy Hill was traded here. I think he played one, maybe two games with him before the All-Star break. So that's the one thing that I've been encouraged by, despite the last two where he has not been all that good. And they have to find a way to get that going. Uh, outside of the Joel M B, what I, have I been most discouraged by and what has Bothered me the most. Uh, I would say that because they still haven't found a way to rebound and defend at a much better rate against their opponents. Because a lot of that, as we talk about, is effort. And while it seems they're giving effort, they still seem to have the issues that they're having with the defense and the rebounding with Joel Embiid off the floor. And I know how the numbers are where they still had problems when he was on the floor with their rebounding and some with the defense, but he cleaned up so much. That said, I've seen in the past where Nick Nurse's teams with Toronto, different type of personnel where they were bigger with their wing players, where it's just not Tobias Harris and Nick Batum being, you know, having some length and, and some size there. We've seen other players there with the Toronto Raptors where they've had that. The defense and the rebound still underwhelming even without Embiid there on the floor. I thought it would be much better, much, much better, much, much better than it has been.
1: Yeah, and look, like comparing to those Toronto teams, that size on the perimeter personnel that they had is, is completely different. Different, um, and a lot of the players, especially before like DeAnthony came back, before Kyle was added to the roster, but when Batum was out, a lot of the players that you were filling in there were just poor rebounders historically for their careers. I don't necessarily expect Nick Nurse to change that. Uh, that would be too much to ask. So, getting some players back, I do think that is going to help. You know, DeAnthony Melton, we talk a lot about. His defense and deflections and whatnot. And we he's a good rebounder. Shooting. The rebounding does get overlooked uh, at times. And I think that is one thing that we probably don't bring up enough. And I, like I said, I do think getting Batum back, things like that, will help. The downside here is that... This relates to another question that we're going to talk about in a second. But with Bamba struggling and having to go small, you're just asking a lot of a lot of players who are trying to play up a position um, mm-hmm. to your point though. Like, yeah, they might have struggled rebounding with a beat on the floor, but they went from like a, you know, 76% defensive rebounding rate, which is right about mid pack, maybe 55, 60th percentile to a um, 69% defensive rebounding rate, which is down in the bottom 15 percentile. So they went from solid to terrible without him on the floor he does cover up for a lot, which, again, you would expect for a 7-foot, 300-pound guy to do so. Um, But, yeah, they've been they've been much worse. And, and, and a if, big and, part of that is Mobamba Bamba is unplayable, which, again, we'll get to in a second. Right. And their options outside of that aren't great for a small ball center.
0: Yeah, and, and again, we knew this already, how, how important Joel Embiid is on the floor for those two things, the defense and the rebounding. But you know this is a point of emphasis from the coaching staff. Hey, he's out. We have to collectively, as a group, Go out there and do this stuff together. It's all about the effort, and you saw it against the Cleveland Cavaliers because they made it a point of emphasis where they went out there. Tobias Harris had his nine. Paul Reed, I think, had double digit rebounds. Mobamba had five. KJ Martin came off the bench to get you six in, in that role. You you had the same thing from some some of the other players that were out there on the floor. They beat. The Cleveland Cavaliers on the glass, and that's with Jared Allen and Evan Mobley, who are very good rebounders in the front court. They beat them, and it wasn't close uh, with the way that they did it. So, again, that's been the part where, all right, guys, he's not here to rebound. How do we rebound together? Well, you have to rebound together. You have to box out. You have to get some floorboards. You have to get these team rebounds to make sure you give yourself an extra opportunity to go down there and get some points on the offensive end and not give the opposition those offensive rebounds for those second-chance points. So that has been one of the things for me that has been a problem. Did, did you have something separate than, than what I had in terms well, of—
1: Well, for me, the, the disappointing is Kelly— Uh, And since Joel went out, he's scored 15 points on 14 shots and had more turnovers and assists. Uh, You you can't have a guy have that high of a usage rate and also make that many negative plays. You sort of expect that with Kelly, but you hope that he would hit the right. Like earlier on in the season, people were talking about like maybe this is the right time in Kelly's career and the right situation for him to cut out some of those bad tendencies. And I think over the last couple of months, and especially since Joel Embiid's been out, we have learned that that is not the case. He is still Kelly Oubre. And Paul Reed suffers from that too. Like his his hero ball stuff on offense is just driving me up a wall in part because I know there is a useful NBA role player in there. I know, and people want to get on him for like, oh, he's not a center, he's a power forward. I disagree 100%. He is a small ball center in today's NBA. He doesn't have the floor spacing or yeah. the handles, or the decision-making to play alongside another traditional center. You want him as a big man. His usefulness, his utility, comes from the fact that he will crash the glass, that he can switch on defense, and that he can roll to the rim. Those are all traits of a center. Even if he there are matchups he won't be good against defensively because he's undersized, you want him manning the middle. That being said... When you ask him to extend himself more and play more minutes, his limitations as a defender come out a little bit. That's fine. You can't change that. But his limitations as a decision maker are what frustrates me because I feel like that should be a little bit more controllable. And like we've talked about a lot, like him doing step back Dirk fadeaways or him trying to slip every screen or him trying to take everyone off the dribble. There's just too much of it. Set a screen, roll hard to the basket, chase offensive rebounds, and... Play hard defense. That's what I want out of Paul. And every time he tries to step outside of that, it feels like he is exposed.
0: And if he is focused once he rolls and has it, and he stopped right there in the paint at the rim, he has to be confident. And because we've seen him do it turn around, find that man in the corner. He's right where he's supposed to be on the wing. Make that pass an opportunity for you to get a shot from behind a three point line, a ball fake, maybe drive to the basket and finish off of just some good action there and some smart play from Paul Reed. Anything that you were encouraged by at all?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm encouraged just to get some guys back. I think your point about Buddy is right. Even though he has struggled mightily and maybe shown you why you could get him for second round pick, shown you why he has been a player who has come off the bench at times over the course of his career. I'm still encouraged because that skill set, I believe, is real. I think he's going to fit well next to Embiid. But I do think there are going to be times throughout the season, or at least the next couple of weeks, where you go like, hey, he's a little bit out of place here playing without Joe like he needs someone to create those shots for him even in Indy where Halliburton is an incredible early offense generator and get him open looks there's probably a reason he wasn't playing 35 per night and shooting like there are deficiencies in his game Mm -hmm. and they just become more pronounced when you don't have a guy like Joel to create shots for him but I think what we have seen and what he's capable of is encouraging because you know that's going to change once Joel comes back so I agree with that and DeAnthony, quite frankly, has looked, I think, a little bit better physically than maybe I thought coming back from that injury. Uh, I thought physically he has looked fine. Is there a little bit of rust? Sure. But I think he's shown you that when he's good, he still has a chance to help contribute. Uh, and I think that's been good.
0: All right. Well, we'll get to question number two in just a second. But we wanted to tell you about a couple of things that we have going on. Yeah. And um,
1: First of all, tomorrow night, yeah, we have a live show at Chicken or the Egg in Marlton, New Jersey. Again, that will be a pregame. We will have a show we will then watch the game obviously and then do a show afterwards if you're in the area or can stop by at any point during that uh, and again that would be a half an hour before the, the game throughout the game and then an hour after game anytime in that window stop on by say hi maybe have a ludicrous ring with us and we will uh, it'll be great to chat it was honestly really fun doing it the last time i Egg when we did it on the trade deadline that was a show where it was in the middle of a day on a thursday afternoon so we get like it was maybe tough to get out there but here's your chance. Uh, we will be there, and we will be there, like I said, for quite a while. So if you're in the area, stop by. I would love to see you, and I would love to eat a- I'm already ridiculously hungry. Ridiculously hot, borderline too hot, like re- like really just stupid wing to eat. I'm, enjoy- I'm looking forward to doing that with all folks, of these you. folks. have you seen
0: our video from- There is a
1: video up on here yeah.
0: from, from us, the, the challenge that Derek, Kyle, myself, Brianna, and Chris, our social media uh, director here- Uh, We all had a chance to try the the ludicrous wing, and boy, again, we've told you about it in the past, but now you get to see the video, you get to see our facial expressions. I had the pack of tissues ready for the noses and the eyes and all that kind of stuff, because it was bad. It was bad. But if you want to try it, come on out to the uh, Chicken or the Egg in Marlton, New Jersey. Fantastic place. Great food, drinks, televisions all over the place, and you can try that ridiculously hot chicken wing that is really, really hot. Al's going to be there. Uh, I told you Caprito, I saw her at the game on Friday. She said she's going to stop by, so maybe everyone will try that ridiculously hot, ludicrous wing. And And they sell the sauce separately too. Luda, yes.
1: Then chase it down with some good wings too, which they have plenty of, uh, and chase it down with some fries, what have you. Uh, Just power through that one ludicrous wing, and we can all...
0: Do it together. Lynch 33 asks, is uh, Rihanna going to be there? <laughs> Rikiana. Rikiana. Yeah. Rikiana is
1: a real name. Rikiana <laughs> is the one that Devon was tricked into thinking.
0: That damn Ricky Council, <laughs> the fourth, not the second or the third or the father. The fourth. Uh, and we also have a big sale going on right now. Uh, we always tell you about going, and we ask you to go, phlylocker.com, so you can get some of the great gear that you see us sporting here on our show from the T-shirts The hoodies, all of it. The hats that are available to us, it's available to you. And now you can get it at a clearance sale price of 30% off. It began today. Monday through Wednesday is when the deal runs through. So if you want to go and get some of the hoodies that you've seen us wear, you can get our show hoodie. Big supporters of our show. We love you for it, of course. Go get that Royal Blue PHLY Sixers hoodie. How about the PHLY Eagles hoodie for Bo and Zach? Great job that they do. You'll catch them at the combine beginning tomorrow. Get their hoodie, Mijkov hoodie, for the Flyers show. It's a Philly thing. Zach uh, is, I mean, Derek has worn that on our show Gray hoodie says it's a Philly thing. The normal black hoodies that we have, the fatigue hoodie, the uh, tie dye hoodie with the NUC logo that we have on there. The hat from the dad hat that Derek has on right now to the golf trucker and flat brim hat, all available to you. Phlylocker.com, 30% off right now through Wednesday. Go get yours and maybe buy me something because we put on a good show. Yes. Go get him Rick. yes. Martian Lynch 33. you're absolutely right. but go take advantage of the deal that we have right there. all right. Derek, what do we have for question number two?
1: We have one from Greg Otto. Greg. (laughs) He asks, can you possibly find just one stat that justifies Mo Bamba's playing time?
0: I cannot. (laughs) I cannot. (laughs) I can maybe go to a game where he's had a good game and rebound this. But that's the stat. It's an individual game, not an overall stat throughout an entirety. A stretch there where we can say Mo Bamba did this and he was fantastic with this. No, I I cannot. I'm sorry. I cannot, Greg. I apologize. I cannot.
1: We'd love to. We just can't do that for you. No, look,
0: you can look at his
1: rebounding numbers, and he's seven foot. He should be a good rebounder. Team is disastrous with him on the floor to the point where, like, playing Tobias Harris or K.J. Martin at the five doesn't actually cost you anything in terms of your rebounding, which, again, should not be the case because those are not good rebounding numbers or lineups either. His rim protection will have moments... But by and large, he's out of position so much. The rim protection numbers don't get better with him on the floor. His own individual numbers, obviously, in terms of offensive output, don't help. So if he's not protecting the rim and he's not rebounding and he's not a viable offensive player, then what the hell are we doing here? That's why we spoke before the season that we thought there was a real legitimate chance he might end up not making the roster. He did, but he is legitimately like you're... 13th through 15th man on the roster. Well, he can't be the 15th because they only have 14 players currently on the roster. That's one of our questions coming up. But he is legitimately somewhere in the 11 through 14 range of your roster. You're just forced to try to play him right now because you cut all... Remember when they had like five centers at the beginning of the year? Well, they got rid of most of them. And now you're left without trying to, you know, fill major minutes without you all hey, And remember,
0: Montrez Harrell tore his ACL. So yeah. had he not torn his ACL, Mo Bamba might not be here.
1: Yeah, well, then I'd just be complaining about Montrezl Harrell. It would be a different kind of
0: complaint, but at least— Different can, complaint, you know. but you know the guy gives effort, and he can rebound. He
1: gives effort offensively. doesn't really give effort defensively. We don't need to he get can into— rebound, a, though. Sure, but he was one of the worst. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Right, right, I, right. I can't. That's we already complain about— thing. No, no, I can't
0: do yeah.
1: it. Um, I probably— No, don't need to go into this. <laughs> I got him <them> going, folks. <laughs> but no, there's like— there's They needed to get someone at the deadline. They thought they were getting someone at the deadline. It didn't work out. They need to find a way to navigate the next three weeks. I don't think going small as much as they're going to need to go small is going to work. I don't think playing Mo Bamba is going to work on a nightly basis.
0: They're in a bad spot. I don't remember him being this bad when he was with Orlando.
1: I mean, he was a former number six overall pick who's now in a minimum contract. So clearly, I think he was
0: pretty bad. But when we watched him, well, at least when I watched him, it seemed like he was still doing things.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think when you're still
0: starting when,
1: Oh, well you're starting because they invested a top six picking them.
0: Yeah. But But they also had traded for Wendell Carter jr. Who seemed like he was a better player who wasn't starting. Sure.
1: I think they, I think they wanted to see like, I think when you're young, you see, or when a player is young, you see their potential, you see their talent, either developed or God given. And you think, well, they will improve on certain things or, mentality-wise, we can get them locked in for Mm -hmm. more. There's just a benefit of the doubt that you give to young players, and then when those players don't meet it, that narrative, that belief of a player swings very quickly, and Mo's at that stage of his career. That's why at the beginning of the year, you thought, well, at the very least, you know he has been beaten down, so to speak, and is now at the point where he's on a minimum contract. He's fighting for his life. He has to show something. Maybe you can get the best version of Mo, and you just haven't gotten it.
0: Yeah, and that that's tough. Also, by the way, Ray Burrow says in the chat here that uh, he has the Sixers shirt. The T-shirt needs the hoodie now. Well, Ray. You do. 30% off, Ray. 30% off. Go take care of that and uh, let us know that everything went well. Hopefully you get the shirt and you'll be matching like we are. Me and Bree and, and, and Derek, we, we all have the, uh, the hoodie, so go get it. And Kyle, too. Kyle to you've been matching with us. Yeah. All right, we have a super chat, though, before we get to Uh-oh. question number three. That's from Kevin. What up, Kev? What is Tobias Harris really worth per year? That's the first question.
1: Well, unfortunately, I think a lot of people will want us to say zero. He's not. He's that, an NBA that's player. Not,
0: yes, that's unfair.
1: <sighs> See, the problem is we still don't really know how much the salary cap is going to go up. So I guess we can only answer this based on the current projections or current salary cap, not the projections because the national TV deal still isn't signed. I think a lot of people are going to be paid a lot more than you expect though because of that rising salary cap 15 per year, somewhere in there 20, maybe like I 20 think, max, but I think like starters are going to get $20 million a year in the upcoming yes. NBA. And I yeah. think Tobias Harris, most teams, not maybe not most, but I think a lot of teams would still start him. I think what we're seeing right now, there's a combination of just fatigue and it's been five freaking years. And the fact that this is the worst maybe he's ever looked, mm-hmm. I, he will get signed somewhere to be a starter. I'm confident
0: in that. W- what would you be surprised if he got 25 annually?
1: Above like 25 to 30 is where I start going like that's a pretty big mistake.
0: That's success. Yeah. yeah. All right, and he But also- like
1: 15 to 20 is sort of what I expect.
0: All right, Kev also says, what do you expect to make to next year? That's about 20, you know. That's, yeah. that's pretty much the baseline, 20 I think I, I right still there. think
1: there's some like recalibration of where we are in terms of the NBA salary cap that fans, it, which I get because it changes a lot and it changes pretty frequently. Uh, you could just go back a decade and, and like $15 million a year was like, you better be a freaking star. We're mm-hmm. nowhere near that point anymore. Uh, play, there
0: will be a lot of salaries you see. And he's going to be a Whoa! starter. It's yeah. just a matter of who signs him how much they're willing to pay him or overpay him for how much he's going to mean to that particular team. So when we talk about the Detroit Pistons as young as they are to get a veteran like Tobias Harris, maybe they will. I mean, look well, what they did the with Jeremy someone, Grant. Remember when they signed Jeremy Grant to it, that number? Sure. And because of that, I have much less interest in Jeremy also because Jeremy Grant thinks
1: he's a number one or two option and I don't think he should be. But yeah, anyway,
0: we've gotten into that.
1: There is, I've said this a bunch in order to get a player in free agency, you pretty much have to overpay. That's the name of the game. By definition, you are the team that's willing to pay that player the most. Mm -hmm. Now, it's not quite that simple because a lot of teams don't have cap space and yada, yada, yada. So there is a little bit of leeway where you can get a player on a good deal. But a lot of times it's because you are willing to pay more than the rest of the market. And especially a a team and a market like Detroit, it's not like people are like, man, I really want to go play for that franchise. Like, yeah, occasionally like someone like Miami may be able to get someone on a good market deal because they want to be there either because of Spo or Jimmy or a chance to compete or South Beach, mm-hmm. Detroit has none of that going for it. Yeah. So yeah, they're going to have to overpay if they want to Tobias and there's a chance they end up overpaying.
0: And he knows about Detroit. He's familiar with Detroit. Mm-hmm. So they might have to pay for that also because he already knows. So you're going to have to pay. Give him some money to simply be here with us. We appreciate that. Will the Sixers make him an offer, Kev? I think that would be the last resort for the Sixers. I think they try to go in another direction. A couple of people believe, like you do, uh, worth 15000000 million G-Man and Neil And uh, so there, there's that. Yep. All right. What do we have for question three?
1: Matthias, want to know, what are the options for the last roster spot? So I guess one key detail here. First of all, basely is on a 10-day. So there will be two open roster spots soon, assuming they don't sign him to a second 10-day or the rest of the season. I think part of the reason they keep a roster spot open now is because they're waiting to see whether or not anyone gets bought out before the deadline. And again, as a reminder, the deadline... For a player to be bought out and still be eligible for the playoffs is March 1st. So it's coming up here soon. But I think the reason you're not seeing anything in terms of them signing someone who's currently out there or maybe signing rookie council is because they want to keep that roster spot open just in case somebody shakes free at the last minute. Because there have been times in the past where players, maybe teams are negotiating a buyout. It doesn't work. And they say, well, screw it. Let's just waive him so he can go somewhere else and be on a playoff roster. But that is something where a deadline, again, forces teams and players into a decision. So I think there's a chance. They're just waiting around right now to see if anybody becomes free heading up to this deadline.
0: Well, and we don't have a clue right now of who that might be. It'd be nice to see if Ricky Council does, in fact, get one of those. But leaving the other open is the right idea for right now because – we still have just a few more days this week, March 1st, this week. So we'll find out uh, by Friday, at least, who may or may not be uh, let go and see if the Sixers have any, any, avail- uh, any interest in it. And we already asked Derek the other day, I think it was Friday night, because uh, Vince, our buddy Vince Pellegrini here from PHLY, he asked Are about, we sure he's
1: our buddy? Don't put words in my mouth. You don't know my relationship my with Vince. My buddy Vince. All right, that's
0: my better. buddy Vince. That Derek Kidding. knows. I love you, Vince. I know you're watching. That Derek knows. We all love you. And asked My
1: colleague. About we call Poku. him our colleague. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah, our colleague. Uh, asked about Poku from OKC who was let go. And we said we would have interest, you know, depending on.
1: And again, that goes he, back to the fact that that question, can you find one positive stat about Mo But No, I can't.
0: Yeah. So and we yeah, might bring be able Poku to with Poku. Yeah. Might be. Might be. Might not once he gets here, but might be. Question four. What do we have?
1: So this one is probably going to be a little bit longer of a conversation. So I saved it for last. I had a couple others queued up here that I don't think we're going to have time to get to. Um, real, real quick one from Gavin. Okay. Can being the 6th or 7th seed uh, and therefore avoiding the Celtics in the 1st be more valuable than being 4th or 5th? So basically, if you get the 6th or 7th, you can end up avoiding Boston until the conference finals.
0: Yes. Yeah, yeah because I think that's the game plan. That's the, that's the desire for most people to avoid Boston until you absolutely have to see them
1: certainly like the fifth seed because fifth seed is the worst of both worlds yeah. right you don't get home court in the first round and you get boss in the second round i right. think that's one and obviously seven or eight are the ones you really want to avoid absolutely want to avoid but if you can't get um you know four, fourth there might be an op, uh, argument just because you get home court mm-hmm. but i think the one you really want to avoid is five six or, or five um or seven or eight so yeah, six is is not a bad spot. Yeah, you do have to win on the road. But you if do you do that, you can avoid Boston to the until the conference finals. And Boston is the one team where, if the Sixers are healthy, which is a big if, and if Joel's back and looking like Joel, which again is a big if, even if all those things go right, Boston is still the prohibitive favorite. Whereas with Milwaukee and Milwaukee's playing, like you, know, you brought this up, and I think it's probably true, they're playing better defensively since Doc took over, even if they haven't necessarily been winning games. If they continue to do that, they are a dangerous squad. Uh, and certainly if they continue to play better defensively and you have Giannis and Dame, they would be the favorites in the series, but not the prohibited favorites like I think Boston would be. So that is a team that you want to wait until the conference finals because at that point, stuff might happen. Players might go down with injuries. Players might not be as effective as they were at the beginning of the playoffs uh, or teams just might struggle. Um, maybe they get knocked out before the conference finals. Any of those, maybe unlikely possibilities have a better chance of happening in a conference finals than they would in the second round. So yes, avoid as much as you can.
0: And also right now, Milwaukee is one game back of Cleveland for the number two spot in the Eastern conference. And I expect Milwaukee to maybe leap over Cleveland. So maybe if the Sixers fall 2 six, they're able to remain out of the play in, we might be talking about the Sixers and the Cleveland Cavaliers. And we've already seen where, especially with Joel Embiid back, even with Donovan Mitchell on the other side for Cleveland, We saw them in the playoffs last year, how they faulted against the New York Knicks. And then seeing the Sixers play the Cleveland Cavaliers twice so far without Joel Embiid and the way that they played and beat them, that most people would feel pretty confident about the Sixers' chances against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, man. You said that there was one more question. Last one from Jay Yarrow.
1: Why is this team losing so much? Don't just say Embiid is out. He says it has got an all-star with Tyrese Maxey, and the rest of the players are widely, widely believed to be good. Nurse is supposed to be a top-level coach, so why all the blowout losses?
0: I do believe part of it begins with what we discussed and what was the opening topic of our show. Tobias Harris plays a big part in that. You said that was Jay? Yes. Jay, I think Tobias Harris plays a big part of that. While he may not be the be-all, end-all of it all, he's a very important piece for what they have to do in order to be uh, productive on the offensive end and, of course, to have him rebound and play defense the way that he is capable of on the defensive side. So if you were getting the better version of the Tobias Harris, where well, we look at him for two and a half, three weeks of the scoring, the rebounding, and the overall play in general, we're looking at him playing some pretty good two-way basketball for Nick Nurse's team then I think we're talking about a different version of the Philadelphia 76ers even without Joel Embiid because that opens things up for to buy, for Tyrese Maxi, And then it also goes down the line where you now have a player and with the things that he's able to do and Buddy Hill, it makes things easier for him too. And then when you start to get the other pieces coming into the game, it just simply works out that way. And then the other part is, I, I think this is something too when you see some of the other players like a young Paul Reed and maybe a few of the other players, It puts them at ease, too, knowing that they don't have to go up that extra level. You're already jumping into one level because Joel Embiid is not here. But when you have to go to another level because in the game and in the moment, Tobias Harris is not playing at that level, some are going to maybe overplay a certain way because they feel like they have to make up for what's not there right in that moment from what Tobias Harris is not doing. And that's a big part of what their success should be. Jay, if he is out there playing that two-way level of basketball, and even if he's not the greatest defensively on the other end, if he's giving you twenty points or eighteen consistently for what Tyrese Maxey is already going to be giving you as a number one option, I, I think that's a big reason why. Yeah.
1: So here, here's here's one thing I've, I've got. There's a, a number of a little scatterbrained right now. So there's a couple things I'm going to want to get to. Mm-hmm. They have played eleven games since Joel Embiid went out. Kelly Oubre and Paul Reed. They're the only two players that play 11 games. We just spoke earlier about how they're two two of the players that we are most disappointed in. In terms of people who have played 10 games, you have KJ Martin, Mm. and the last one he just missed was last night, Mo Bamba, Ricky Council, and Tyrese Maxey. Okay, so of the players who have played either all of the games or or only missed one game, only Tyrese Maxey is anything approaching a reliable player. You have... You know, Tyrese Maxey missed the one game. Tobias Harris has missed three games. Buddy Heald has only played in seven of the games. Uh, where else do we have? Um, De'Anthony Melton has played in two of the 11 games. Nick Batum has played in two of the 11 games. You've just, or eight or three of the 11 games, I'm sorry. You've got your core pieces outside of Joel Embiid who have missed a lot of games. So that's part of it. It's not just Embiid's health. Is that there have been a lot of players out. Mm-hmm. Second, and you sort of just brought this up, yeah, there's a lot of players on his team who are thought of relatively highly, but they're thought of relatively highly as role players, right? Nick Batum being maybe the perfect example, but even someone like Paul Reed, who we just talked about, and I think you brought up a good point. When Embiid's out, players try to do more. I think that is certainly true with Paul. I think when Embiid is out, Paul goes, well, I've got to try to score more. I've tried to do more when really it's, you just got to play your role for longer, But I think getting that through to a young player is tough, especially someone like Paul, who always has, you know, moments where he thinks he's the center of attention or the main character in a story. Right. And you've got players, a lot of the role players, who are, you know, their value, like Batum, is derived off of catch and shoot. Uh, Even someone like DeAnthony. They're all players who need space created for him. With Joel Embiid at a lineup, there's really no one outside of Tyrese Maxey, and Tyrus Maxey, you know, we haven't been focused on it too much because there's been so many other problems. He's not a natural high-level shot creator at this point. I think he's made progress. I think he's better than I expected, but he's not where he's going to be at 28, and he's probably not, you know, where you necessarily need him to be. Mm-hmm. So, with so many players having to play out of their role and not getting shots created for him, it makes those players who were previously thought of as high level down a notch or two because they're just playing roles they're not necessarily comfortable doing. And then you've got Tobias Harris, who's just, he's the one player who you go, all right, and Embiid's out, we need you to step up and be consistent. And yep. not only has he not been, he has been consistent. The problem is he's been consistently bad. So all of that is, and they're playing now their toughest stretch of games throughout the season. This is, I know we've had, um, I think it is Neil in the chat, who's been talking pretty much the entire time. None of this matters because it's all about Joel Embiid getting back healthy. And certainly when you're talking about the team playing well in the playoffs, I think that's mostly true. Why this matters now is because they are in that fight to stay out of that um, play-in tournament and because even if Joel Embiid comes back, being in a spot where you have to win two out of three games or one out of three games where basically a two-game losing streak could end your season is never something you... It's not a position you want to be in. You want to avoid that at all costs. So this matters because seating matters. This matters because the play-in matters. Uh, But his overall point of Joel Embiid changes everything I think is largely true and this is a team where they have either because... You know, because they're trying to keep their trade chips for a big move or because they want to get role players who fit alongside of Embiid, this is a team where so many of the players are context-dependent, where they have to be in the right spot next to Embiid rather than guys who can really elevate their games. They don't have a James Harden like they had last year to sort of run so much offense. Will that be the smart move? Well, that in part depends on how well they complement Joel Embiid when he comes back. That in part depends on what Daryl Morey does with the draft picks and the cap space in the summer. But the reality is they just don't have very many players who can elevate into a larger role and assume that playmaking responsibility. And the one guy that they do have is having a disappearing act.
0: So that's, it's
1: sucks, but it is where we are.
0: And with his disappearing act, it also, when we talk about, of course it's Joel and B Neil's absolutely right. But to the, the earlier point about having much better role players, especially when you have an all-star player who's really elevated his play to still be the number one guy and can get you 20 consistently. He may have to really search far and wide for that in certain games. But if the number two, the number two didn't have the disappearing act, I think it changes a lot of things. And then think about this too, uh, Neil and, and, and others, is that if Harris was playing at that level, Nurse wouldn't have to tinker the way that he does have to tinker we've seen him benched already for Ricky council against the Washington wizards. And even what was that? Was that the Cleveland game or was that the game against it was the Cleveland game where the Sixers made their run when he was on the bench and nurse left him on the bench for a good amount of time. And then he had to go back to him because he is who he is. The profile is what it is. And quite frankly, the other guys probably weren't going to be able to sustain it to close the game out. So you had to do that. So nurse, has to make certain decisions on when, he, when to put him in, when to leave him in, when to take him out because he's just simply not playing at the level and the standard that we expect and that they expect uh, from him as well. And it's, it's tough to be, once again, in this spot to be talking about him the way that we do, but he has done this, as Derek mentioned very, very early in the show. In order for this to work and answer the question of how, how does Nick Nurse get him out of this slump, and to be better, he has to be the one to get out of that slump and be better. Not Nurse, not Maxi, who took the blame of not having Tobias Harris get off a little bit more in terms of you know being a, a much better scorer in the games. He has to be the one to dig deep and get that back for this basketball team over this final stretch while Joel Embiid is back. Because when he does come back, now you're putting that pressure on the big fella to maybe push it a little bit more than he needed to because they didn't give him the, the necessary gap in space to just simply come back and, and ease himself back into it instead of putting the pedal to the floor to get them to that six seed. And instead, we're probably looking at a team that's going to be really fighting for that, fighting for that six spot. And most likely, folks, being in that play-in tournament, to be quite honest with you, with the way that it looks like things are going yep all right that'll do it for us folks we appreciate everybody hanging out with us as always chicken or the
1: egg marlton new jersey tomorrow
0: that's right tomorrow post game but we're going to have pre-game chicken or the egg marlton new jersey we're going to hang out with you all of us will be there talk a little hoops watch the game with you get some food drinks as well and then we'll have the post game following sixers celtics a lot of people to thank we do let's go
1: start off with kevin with the super chat appreciate you we also got Hypothetical Man, Dave Doyer, Ash Monroe, Kane, Fusion, Will, Rick Sachs, Jay Shave, H. Patton, Two Minute Warning. What up, Al? Keith Dale, Brian Knight, Dave Pingator, Liam Stevens. What up, Liam? G Man, Martian Lynch, Spiral Out, Ray Burroughs, Bootzilla, Boots. Marcus Blackstock, Rick Sachs, Dan Murphy, Hedva, Provolone John, and I think that
0: is just about it. We appreciate everybody for jumping in. We will talk to you tomorrow, pre-game, before Sixers Celtics. So we're probably thinking about 25, 30 minutes before game time. And make sure you like and subscribe as always. And when you do, you'll get the notification, hit that bell icon, and you'll be all set. That was a good one. Tell a friend to tell the other friend and tell the other friend to join in on the PHLY Sixers podcast for Derek. It's
1: Tobias Harris's great contribution to the show. Tell always the contributing to, tell a to the
0: show. Yep. He's a friend and he's a friend. He provides content, whether it's good or bad, we thank you, Tobias. Thank you, Bree. Who else?
1: Yes, I am, Dave. Dave is asking if I'm still buying the... the he called them nuclear. They're ludicrous. They are Gotta nuclear. Gotta get it right. Yes, <laughs> if you show up, I will get us all a, a ludicrous wing. I almost called them nuclear right there. Yes, <laughs> I will get us all a ludicrous
0: wing so we can uh, share in the misery. And as Martian says, Luda! There you go. Talk to you tomorrow. <laughs> all like the mayor.